This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. His name is Tom Perry, and he is the founder and CEO of Sherpa Marketing. And this is the definition of a marketing agency success story. They are now one of the leading channel agencies in the UK and have plans on global domination. They manage channel alliances and partner programs for some of the biggest technology companies around in the world today. And for over 20 years, Tom has worked with vendors, distributors, and resellers to implement marketing strategies that have really achieved explosive marketing growth. He talks about the growth journey that they've been on from hiring his first employee to where they are now, which is pretty much on the brink of another truly remarkable and a really exciting chapter in the business's history and evolution. Tom's energy and his vision for the future of channel marketing, which is evolving is really fascinating. And it's a testament to the idea that we've all heard time and time again of doing one thing well, staying in in your lane and really holding down on a niche. And it's taken him now to the brink of a truly remarkable chapter in the company's history. I'm just going to stop talking now and stop giving it the hard sell. I'll let you discover for yourself how good the conversation is. If you're interested in anything to do with channel marketing, then strap yourself in because this is an absolutely fascinating conversation. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Tom Perry. Tom Perry is the founder and CEO of Sherpa, a global specialist channel agency. They manage channel alliances and partner programs for global technology companies at any stage of growth. They have also developed and now operate the world's first partner experience platform, which they've built over the last three years, which technology firms use to drive revenue with their partners. Tom also speaks on channel marketing best practice, go-to-market for tech brands and channel marketplaces. He's also a dad, ex-international water polo player. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Tom Perry, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Nathan, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I thought a really interesting place to start would be to talk about channel marketing in the context of the B2B marketers toolkit, because a lot of B2B marketers kind of understand channel marketing, they get it, but it's still widely under-recognized, I feel, and sort of underappreciated in terms of its importance to B2B marketing. Why is that, do you feel? I think that in the B2B space, you've always had this kind of tension between what tech vendors do in their direct marketing, direct to the end consumer, and the marketing they do through or with their channels. And so there's always this kind of balance that they're trying to achieve between the two sides of that. Channel marketing has been around for 30, 35 years in its current form. And in that time, it's been run by kind of separate teams who are specialist, but it has not had the same amount of investment until recently that the direct marketing side of a vendor's programs would have had. I think also it's a key part of a B2B marketer's arsenal because, you know, in technology, a roughly 60 to 70% of revenue for a vendor will come from partners and the channel. And so the emphasis on getting the channel marketing bit right is there and has always been there. There's some movement around, you know, tactics, the way things are done at the moment, but it does hold this sort of important position because of the revenue profile of of many vendors. So so let's talk about 
channel marketing in a bit more detail. You've, you've been in the space for roughly around 20 years. Explain for us how it works. So we obviously know that there are the vendors, the distributors, the resellers, and the end users. Explain how all of them get value from the relationship and where are the underexplored opportunities for sort of extra value creation that aren't really being tapped into at the moment? Yeah, sure. The, the value created down the channel stack from vendor through distributors to, to the resellers who ultimately are talking to the end consumer is that when you when you make or create a product, software or hardware at the top of that stack, you are going to invest a lot of time and money in the messaging, the USPs that, that, that go with that. And you, you are the originator of the marketing that needs to be done. And so very much the two levels beneath that are about scaling the marketing, but also taking those core messages and beginning to specialize them or verticalize them. So there are different jobs at, at each level in the channel marketing stack, you know, vendor, disty in the middle, reseller, and talking to customers. And they all have a really specific role to play in, in that channel marketing process. The value is created in the, and, and channel is really all about trying to scale and get breadth of marketing and marketing coverage through that channel organization. Mm. And so with those different roles all being done well and being coordinated really well at, at all levels and invested in, by the way, it, it requires it, it requires investment that if you get those mechanics right and there are many moving parts, then you can get exponential benefits and real revenue growth from the whole channel stack. So let's talk about Sherpa for a moment, because you set up the business in September 2012. And over the last nine years, you've been on a, a massive sort of journey of, of transformation and your own growth, really. Talk about how your service offering has changed over, you know, the last nine years or so. Give us an idea of kind of where we are today. And just give us an, an, an idea of the major milestones in the company's history over the last nine, 10 years? Sure. So back end of the uh, London Olympic summer um, was was when we uh, when we decided, well, we, we kind of decided, we, we had our hand, well, my hand was forced a little bit with a, a, a client side role not working out. And actually, very fortuitously for me, I started Sherpa. And as with many agencies, it was me to start with um, contracting. Mm -hmm. And for about 12 months, I'd gone back to my network and asked who needed kind of marketing director services, which a lot of contractors do, and was able to, to kickstart the business that way. Managed from my hot attic that summer <laughs> through the autumn with two uh, very young kids who were no respecters of privacy, but it, it, made, for, it made for some entertaining meetings. Right. And then, you know, roll it forward and we're talking to more people, we're doing more work. And the first milestone appears, Nathan, and it is really, you have to take on that first employee. Things have gone well, you've got enough work and you have kind of run out of time to do the work. And I remember sitting at a, a conference for entrepreneurs and, and getting talking to somebody before it all started, a lady next to me. And she was, oh, you're right. I was like, yeah, I'm umming and ahhing about my first employee. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, what are you thinking about? And I was like this and that. And I said, oh, what do you do? Do you have do you have many employees? She said, yeah, I've got 165. I wow. run <laughs> I run 20 day nurseries. And I was like, I think you might be a little bit ahead of me. But um, she put my mind at rest and said, look, don't worry. They're key to they're key to everything you do. 
right? In whatever type of business you've got. And, and I never kind of forgot that. And then we roll it forward. We're still doing kind of B2B and we're still in tech. And the next milestone was really to start selling around platform and technology. And we became a HubSpot partner. And, and that was a really great journey for us, mostly because of the support that partners were getting from HubSpot mm. at the time. They've, they've been an, a really fantastic company at building their channel, mm. supporting organizations with sales training, enablement, helping them with demand. And I've always held HubSpot in the highest regard in terms of our journey. And that was that was the big kind of second milestone. And then, you know, in 2016, roll, roll forward to, to our fourth year, we made, a, we made an, a small acquisition, but a really important one. We acquired a company called the IT Marketing Agency. Believe it or not, in the same town, um, around the corner, we knew, we knew that company. We, we were respectful uh, competitors. Mm. And um, through lots of different reasons, they, they wanted to go and do some other stuff. And we, and we acquired that business. But it put us from working in, those, in, in reseller land right into working with the distributors mm. and doing a good job for those guys got us noticed with those top end vendors like Microsoft and Dell and companies like that. And so that was probably the, the third milestone. Mm. And then I think if I, if I roll it forward a bit, you know, we, we, we're still tech and we're specializing in direct and channel at this time. We made a decision nearly two and a half years ago to absolutely specialize once again. So specialize B2B tech channel you know cut it cutting us down becoming more specialist and we, we made that decision and we made the investment to dial down all the work we were doing with direct marketing teams and move into absolutely focusing on the channel work that we did mm. and that was that was a huge part of the success we're now enjoying where i think you've got Global tech vendors want specialist agencies who get a specific part of their business and can really help out with the issues they're facing. And, and so I think that's kind of that, that final part of the journey that's allowed us to, to scale quickly and, and, and carry on enjoying growth. And you've got a fantastic sort of market opportunity in front of you, really, because as we were discussing on the pre-interview, it seems as though, and we'll talk about this in, in a lot more detail a little bit later on, but it seems as though all of the market forces have sort of aligned and your history and your trajectory has sort of put you in a position where you're now looking at the fantastic market opportunity in front of you and actually Sherpa are really well positioned to take advantage of it. We'll come on to that in a, in a moment, but I knew of Sherpa around sort of 2013, 14, 15, when I joined an inbound marketing content marketing agency who we were also a HubSpot agency at the time, Tomorrow People. And, um, you know, Sherpa was always really well regarded agency and, and sort of you, you were in and around our space. So we, we knew of you. Now that you've gone on this transformation, focusing on B2B tech, channel marketing, but also direct as well, talk a little bit about the major skill sets now that you've had to specialize and transform the business in a very fundamental way. Talk about how the business has had to change and evolve both in terms of people, technology, skill sets, culture. How have you had to change the business in order to take advantage of the new market opportunity that's that's in front of you? Yeah, sure. So the transformation of Sherpa has been around, as you say, two or three main areas, people, process probably tech as well and and when you when you decide to specialize down to the level we have you start coming across 
different types of software that exist in these these large global vendors because that that's who we target now and so you have to learn a whole new set of technologies when you you know when we were a hubspot agency um we learned hubspot we provided services around it that that was our choice that was our choice of platform and partnership here we come across you know we we, we talk we think our market's about three to four hundred global vendors in the world and we know that there are eight to 10 different platforms that they will use in and around their channel marketing space that we need to get to grips with. So that's number one. You suddenly put yourself into having to know these different platforms. Processes, I think you just have to grow up as an agency. We've we've always been very supportive of investing money in outside help with those processes we don't know. Finance, ops, CRM even, you know, ERP, whatever it might be, we've gone out and sought expertise in process. And I think you can buy that off the shelf, but you just need to be conscious of making the, the, the investment. And then the third area is the people. And I think this is, you know, it's oft said, but it's the it's the most important part. We realized that, that we wanted to go to the market and get people who either had channel experience Right. And, and that's not a huge pool in which to fish and or agency experience. And sometimes we would take agency or we take tech. And so we went to tech companies and we've recruited people from distributors. We've actually recruited people from vendors and we've recruited people from other agencies that we've taught channel. But what we had to do was nail down that persona almost of the, of the member of staff we wanted to get so that they became specialists and, and going to market is fine and that comes with a certain price tag for those people the second thing we've done is we've homegrown a, a load of our, our our talent in terms of come in learn the ropes of uh, channel marketing and then we will help you specialize through your career and we're spending a lot of money on talent development coaching and also mapping it back into our recruitment process so we'd really get the right people so yeah massive step change in those three areas when you specialize but if you become expert at the platform at getting the right people at having the processes that you know global companies want to see you, you suddenly start to get noticed and, and things things become a bit smoother so just on that then, talk about what you've learned about how to recruit, attract and retain the best people to work for the agency. I mean, what what skill sets did you have to learn? What was difficult early on about recruiting that now you've nailed and that you've honed? What, what sort of best practice can you kind of share with us um, about how to retain and attract the best people? I, I think on in terms of attracting the best people, we... I mean, I used to do the recruitment, right? And that was, that was okay. <laughs> right. I, I made a point of becoming, you know, the, the Sherpa's number one recruiter and, 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 and having no experience, but, you know, you give it a go and you know, the company, you know, the culture, you know, the type of people mm. and, you know, we can write ads and, and but we've, we've got much better. We, we bought in help obviously HR and uh, kind of staff engagement help and recruitment help as well. And it's made a massive difference in the, I think recruitment is a long process. There's a lot of sifting to be done. You know, platforms like LinkedIn or Indeed allow people to apply with two clicks without much thought. So there's a lot mm. of sifting, a lot of heavy lifting and work that needs to be done. Mm. So I think most certainly getting the help on on attracting talent, but being very, very specific about the types of people we want to get and what we're looking for. And I get involved in some of our senior recruitment, but I leave it to my functional teams now to recruit the type of people they want. And that's also made made a massive difference. 
I do get much more involved now in the retention and the development of, of our staff. We're just about to employ the services of a full-time uh, head of people who will look at staff engagement, um, personal development, well-being, diversity, inclusion, belonging, all of those things that are really now important post mm or post-pandemic, you know, touch wood, but mm. post-pandemic, <laughs> post we, we, we've surveyed our staff and they want really different things from our company and our agency than they did two years ago. They really do. And, and, and the world has moved mm. on at a pace. And yes, tech's been insulated and we've ridden the storm. And now we, we, we're going to invest in a, a significant sums, I think, in, in as, as you say, retract, um, retaining the talent that, that we've got. It's hard to find people. You've got to get mm. them in, train them well, so be, you know, totally supportive, but also show them the next step, the next two steps, what we're doing in the wider, you know, wider, wider society, what we're doing in charitable endeavors. All of those things are much more important than they were, I think, two years ago. So you say, quote, channel hasn't changed in the last 30 years, but now suddenly it has. Explain. <laughs> yeah, my, my channel hasn't changed for 30 years. I've, I haven't been saying it for 30 years, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes things. No, I think in all seriousness, there's been a model of uh, channel management and channel ultimately channel marketing that has been uh, driven by quarterly revenue cycles, uh, kind of commercial deals that are done at the outset of joining a channel and we'll give you some money marketing back. And you've only had two or three different types of partners. We've talked about them before. You've got the vendor at the top. We've had the Disty and the reseller. Over the last few years, there has been proliferation of new different types of partners. That could be um, one-person agents. It can be affiliate groups. It can be master agents. It can be resellers. It can be um, ISVs. That there is this ecosystem developing of different types of partners representing different types of technology. And so that change has been accelerated by that kind of lockdown. And so, you know, some of the bigger analyst firms that we track are talking about marketplaces and ecosystems and people buying their technology through different mm. types of partners, not just the traditional ones. And what that means is with mm. a different sort of purchasing a mechanism, cycle, whatever you want to call it, the support for those different types of partners needs to be thought through much better than just one size fits all. Here are Mr. Reseller, there's some channel marketing mm. money, off you go, create some light leads and demands. Sure. And so the market is becoming more complex, but I think that's driving huge opportunities for um, agencies who get that, like, like Sherpa, and want to deliver into those marketplaces and different types of partner. So what's the market opportunity for Sherpa right now? And, and what's the ambition of the agency over the next few years? The ambition is to become genuinely global. We've operated um, in our first nine years from the UK predominantly. We have had um, associate staff in, in different regions, predominantly America. But I think that if we want to create the agency that I've got the vision for, it's going to need coverage in North America, where there is a, a marvelous opportunity for us, given just given the market size, their, their sophistication around channel and the range of services we've got. And then also going out to the Far East, where we'd be able to cover sort of APAC from as well. Mm. Because 
when you talk to global technology organizations, there is a movement towards having commonality in the channel programs they run. Um, to date, sometimes it's been very regional. You get a different program in the States to you do in, in EMEA. And actually, the larger vendors are saying, okay, let's let's try and do things with a bit more commonality. And if you get that and you can cover it and support it, you know, in a timely manner, and by that, I mean, in, in office hours kind of stuff, that's kind of the vision for Sherpa. The other part of that vision is to be that kind of link between the big analyst firms and the tech vendors, but, but, but bridging that gap. So, you know, we understand that strategic world, we understand the big initiatives, but we can help organizations get there. And, and, and those are the kind of conversations we're having at the moment around changing programs, changing routes to market and, and doing things differently under the umbrella of, of changing that partner experience. Hmm. So what are the main milestones then that you've mapped out that you need to make sure that you hammer in order to achieve that vision? I imagine people is one of them, getting the right people in, you know, keeping the right people as, as we talked about earlier. Purpose is a huge part of that as well. I think you've sort of discussed that and articulated that. I'd like to talk a little bit more about creating a unified purpose and, and vision for the organization because that's mm. a huge part of, of leadership. What are the sort of three or four main milestones that are between where you are now and that end vision of Sherpa? I think that, as you rightly say, getting the right people is 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 number one. But getting the right people in different regions has added complexity. And I think that Sherpa opening a physical location and presence in America is probably the, the next uh, part of our journey. And then driving revenue in that region and then replicating that model so there is a there is a reasonably well-defined plan and and you know agencies not necessarily in our space but who have gone to america you know they, they, they've flourished some of them and, and there seems to be a model of you export some of the the great values the great processes that you have the messaging into that theater and i think that we will look at sending somebody from Sherpa to open up there because they will they will drive our, our, our revenues in that way. Um, but, but no hard and fast rules around that. We're, we're open to suggestion. I think the second thing is, is that you get to a stage in every agency's life where, you know, and, and you get you get to seven figures and, and beyond. And I think you want to go a bit faster. And so I think that there is a, uh, a financing uh, discussion for, for Sherpa, which we've, we've started on. And I think yeah, you, you just need a bit more petrol in the tank, as it were, if you want to go quicker. And that's where we find ourselves. So, you know, we're not ruling out acquisitive growth. We're not uh, ruling out talking to VC companies about how we might go quicker because we've, we, you know, we've really found our place in the world, Nathan, and, and having that certainty and a plan. And we've just finished a big three-year planning process with our, our, our board and having all that in place makes a massive difference when you want to talk to, to different different types of, of finance organizations. So I think making the decisions of when to go mm. physically, get, get into that theater, having enough funding behind us to do it and, and make sure, but also then bringing it back to the processes of management and, and some of the rigor um, that we have as an organization around reporting and client delivery, client success, employee well-being, all of those things we need to maintain. And we need to maintain our culture in order for us to, to thrive um, kind of on a global basis. 
Really interesting. So, so let's talk about private equity then, and sort of that injection of, of cash um, that you're that you're looking at. What will that injection of cash enable you to do, and and how will you be investing that that money over the next sort of you know few years or so? Um, as I said, VC or other money. Okay, <laughs> Nathan, just okay. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be VC money. We um, um we we could look at finance from from other sources, but you know VC PE is 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 definitely one of the options for us. It would allow us to expand quicker. It would allow us to market further and harder and deeper into those new markets we want to go in. We've nailed our kind of marketing engine over the last 18 months, um, spent a lot of time and money on getting right data sets, right messaging. We do a lot of content marketing. We, we, we talk to the market a lot for latest sort of trends and initiatives. And, we, and you know, we, we're involved with the analyst companies as well. And so you're able to see what's coming up. And I think it's really, really important that when you have these building blocks in place, the injection of finance would allow us to go a bit quicker. And hmm. I think Bolt, hopefully, is Bolt into the, the, the Sherpa organization or a, a add complementary companies that, um, you know, are either channel based or are specific discipline based that we see a need for. Hmm. And, and that could be around data. It could be around creative. It could be around systems um, just so that we. We, you know, we have a vision of of a business that manages and and builds platforms, but also manages and runs the services off them. And I think, mm. you know, with with an injection of cash, you can get to that sort of that that vision for us um, quicker. I know you've been speaking to a lot of people in the M and A space recently. Let us know as well. We we know a few people in that in that space that we can put you in, in contact with. But from your research that you've done so far, what what do you feel buyers typically underestimate? in the sale process and how are you going to avoid those? I think, I think the big one that gets underestimated is culture and the clash of if you're going to go and buy another company or, or acquire somebody. And I think sound financials, yeah, don't get me wrong, market presence, all of those things that are kind of binary and you can see, uh, you know, are, are there. It's those softer elements of, of acquiring a business that I think are uh, sometimes are underestimated, but are massively important. I think, you know, one on one needs to equal more than two uh, mm. you know, in, in acquisition land. And, and, and often if there's culture issues, it, it, you don't even get to two. And that's I'm very, very wary of that. I'm also aware of that because we've spent a lot of time working on our culture and I like it. It seems to work for us and I'd want to kind of carry on with that. And so I think that that's number one. I think the other area is channel and channel marketing. Is, as I said, as we talked about, it's a specialist area and there are areas of the market within channel. So, you know, you, you, in channel, we could be talking to Deloitte or Atos. We could be talking to my local IT guy here in Bedford, you know, who, who buys his, his, his IT in a very different way. And that, that, so the breadth of that channel is massive. Mm. And I think you, you mustn't underestimate if we're going to go and acquire companies where they specialize. So somebody specializing in the, the agent space or resellers or with disties or at that top end with GSIs, you see, you could plug in, plug in different certain skill sets. And I think that's something we'll be looking out for as well. So you talk about the importance of culture and people, I know that that's important to you because you brought in the heavyweight, which is Nikki Gattenby. <laughs> Amazing uh, to have her as 
on your board? Is she a, a non-exec director? I think she is. Why did you bring her in? How are you working with her? What what value is she adding? Nikki Gatenby is just amazing and epic. Yeah, it's a good lockdown story, Nikki's engagement with Sherpa. I was on a one of those Zoom calls, you know, when you were prepared to do six or seven a day. And um <laughs> still doing you, it. Yeah, still doing it. Yeah, I think that's the model here, Nathan. <laughs> anyway, um and I was on one with Nikki and a guy called Johnny Twos from the lab group. And Brilliant. the three of us started having a conversation and we kind of took took this one zoom call over a little bit and i and i and i and i've kept in touch with both of them they, they they do great things the pair of them but i thought nikki um was just starting on her ned journey she'd come out of um propeller net down in brighton where she'd run it for eight or nine years mm. and i just thought you know it's so worth having a chat to nikki we had a chat and it just the stars aligned almost we needed certain things like uh, people culture which you know she's she's written her book super engaged which is which is, i'd recommend Phenomenal. to anyone mm. and it was just apparent that on that side of things where we did need some help that that nikki would drive us there but she also run a business and she'd been at the top of the agent you know her agency and she'd been in that kind of slightly lonely seat mm. and and been there and done it and come out successfully and was now doing this thing and we got talking and so nikki joined us as an NED. I think. Uh, I think we did two or three meetings, two meetings where she observed, then she got st sort of stuck in. And then I was like, I really want you to chair our board um, because mm. she'd just grown into, uh, it grown into working with us and it seemed like the next thing to do. So the whole people process of what we're doing has moved on, but Nikki has been absolutely kicking us to, to develop our three-year plan, nail those milestones that we've talked about and has mm. been brilliant for me in sort of, you know, that, that, that that presence on my shoulder sort of going come on tom you gotta get on with this <laughs> what you are know, you doing get, you said you're gonna do it yeah get it get it done boy come on and then yeah. um, so um yeah it, it, and do you know what nathan it's it's probably the best example i've got of throughout all of sherpa's nine years of going out and not being afraid to pay for that expertise mm. that can lift you to the next level and and it, it's been so vital it's been and it's been a really really fruitful I think we're near, nearly off our first year anniversary, but it's been it's been a really good part of our journey working with Nikki. Mm. You pay peanuts, you get monkeys, um, as as they say, um, <laughs> and you need to really in, invest uh, in the right talent to take you on that journey. Really interesting to to hear that. Last question before we get into our favorite questions towards the end of the interview that we ask everyone: um, What have you learned about business building specifically? That I guess when you started Sherpa, that you were just no good at at all. And what have been the biggest growth areas for you over the last sort of nine years that, that you like to share with us? Sure. I think when, when you start any agency, you're the generalist, you do everything, right? And you soon work out the stuff A, you don't like and B, you're rubbish at. And I, I've been pretty honest with myself about what I've been, you know, not good at. I think anything numbers driven, which can be, you know, purchased with really good expertise was, was a really early learning for me mm. you know I used to go to these entrepreneur events when i was a, a one-person company and they'd go don't do your own bookkeeping whatever you do and i was like oh i'm doing my own bookkeeping it takes me ages i'm really rubbish at it so you know you, and you learn these little things mm. and i think there's lots of process stuff actually we had a really great ned for about four years called martin norbury who i think specialization was taking uh, businesses that had established and getting them to that first sort of rung of the ladder where you'd got 
uh, departmental specialization like process around ops and finance and all that stuff. and so again bringing in the expertise as needed but i think i think the learning over the over the last couple of years and it's been an unusual period of time but it's made me realize that there are inflection points in any agency's journey and you get a decision of whether to invest or just keep doing what you're doing and we've had two or three of those like you know we bought that company in 2016 it wasn't immediately obvious i wasn't looking for a company you know um the choice to try and develop some of our own tech takes money the choice to go out to the market and get some finance you know there comes these points and i think i am because you, you're not so much in the day-to-day you get longer thinking time about these big decisions but i mm. think you've got to go for it but go for it in a responsible manner and not be afraid to invest and that's been that's been mm. my last kind of two years and so um on that we are running with my my uh, two fellow directors um we are running our, i can't believe this i kind of own most of the company but i'm still able to do it um we, we've got a, we've got some money in an investment fund and we've got a pitch for all of our our three things you know across the three of us <laughs> the things we want from that fund and nikki's okay. going to run some you know <laughs> nikki and rfd serena are going to run a sort of internal dragon's den where i've got to pitch my own money <laughs> which <laughs> sounds sounds so odd but i think it's a yeah. really good process for a go-to That's because a we, we go and make business cases for those things that we think the business requires to get to the next level Oh, I'd like to have a seat at that table. Well, well, maybe you could, Nathan. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, let's get into our favorite questions. Now, these are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm super excited to ask you some of them as well. Who's the person behind the brand sort of questions. So start with the easiest one first and then they progressively get harder. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. I think... I would go back to something when I had a client side job and I had a very, very large direct mail campaign going out to thousands and thousands of people in a business I was in at the time. And my marketing director at the time, I was, I think I was a marketing manager, was like, have you checked all these phone numbers? Have you checked, you know, all these response mechanisms? I was like, yeah, you know, sort of little blase mid twenties, you know, water polo type. Okay. Yeah, it's sure, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Let's get it out. Let's get it to the printers. You know, in those days, you pushed go and everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, it's it's a big deal because yeah. you're printing 50,000 right. of these things. And I hadn't checked one oh of the numbers. And unfortunately, we then <laughs> sent out this direct mail and we got some people ringing in saying this number, well, one of these numbers you put oh, on no. is a is a kind of dating line. Um, oh, no. And, you know, and not 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 the most high end dating <laughs> line. <laughs> right. So, so I was like. Oh, and you know, there's 50,000 of these things. Oh for now, the, the lesson I learned yeah. at that point was, A, don't bullshit your boss, yeah. right, number one. And two, that attention to detail in marketing is still absolutely necessary. And so I'm, a, you know, I've become a bit of a uh, dot the I's and cross the okay. T's person yeah. with, some of our, with some of our output. Yeah. But that you, you just remember it because it was so... Painful shocking at the painful at the time you yeah, haven't explained to the business you want and, the uh, ground to swallow you up were you oh, yeah. still employed you, you, yeah you, yeah you, I, we, okay. we, they let yeah, you off yeah they, yeah they i think they made me suffer for a few months <laughs> they definitely let me off in the end eventually yeah tell us about some of your early mentors who influenced the, your approach to to marketing yeah i do you know what I, this is such a great question i i think you never forget your first boss and 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 you know what I, I we have 
kind of school leavers, uni grads join us as well. And I don't want them to kind of forget that, you know, Tom Perry and the, the company they joined, mm. wherever they end up, however long they mm. stay, I want it to be a memorable experience because it was for me. I had a fantastic mm. boss called um, Tim Cookson, who has, who was in, in and he's been big in, in his sector and he's gone on and sold businesses and he's, he's out the other side. And he was just so formative in how I should operate early in my marketing career. And, and he, he, he was an MD, but he wasn't a marketing you know, specialist, but, and then I, and then I've had, um, a couple of fantastic marketing bosses um, as I've come up through tech. But you know what? It's, it's interesting that I think the boss I've learned the most from mm. was I had a, a, a good five-year stint at a company called Shortel, well-funded tech firm from California. And I, I had a fantastic American boss who just bought everything about quarterly reporting and what I need from marketing on. And then it was taken, and his, his name was Mark Swenson. And then I had a boss straight after him called John Howard, who I think has gone on to run Logitech and he's, right, he's now running Bang & Olufsen. Mm, you know, wow. these, these guys have done well. Mm-hmm. And he was like, right, Tom, you're going to spend at least 40, 50% of our budget on demand generation. All the other stuff, that's fine. Because he was an out-and-out sales guy. He had an American number to hit. But that gave me a focus around how to create demand that, you know, you take into your own company and and everything you do. You you, you know, you do a lot of selling as an agency owner in very, you know, in different guises. And so that was absolutely invaluable for those two. Really interesting. So just on that, then, where do you stand on the whole kind of bottom of the funnel demand gen conversion piece versus brand building, top of the funnel awareness, profile raising, fame? Yeah. Because some would argue that you can't get the bottom of the funnel without building the top of the funnel first. Is it important for you and for Sherpa to build that brand that will ultimately uh, allow you to generate opportunities at the top of the funnel? Or are you solely focused on like that bottom of the funnel? No, I, th- I think for Sherpa as an agency, we have to do both. Mm. And, you know, small specialist agencies, it takes time. So you just got to be aware of the time it takes to create a brand in your in your space. As I said, I think I said earlier, our space is, I don't know, three, four hundred companies globally. We mm. can get to that space over a two year time. And, and we have been building a really good brand in our space with great kind of thought leadership, engaging with people, allowing prospects and clients and everybody to influence our marketing. And then you need the machinery of marketing as an agency. And we run quite a big instance of HubSpot. Um, of course, we're both ex-HubSpot partners. Why wouldn't we, right? Yeah. Um, to, to absolutely make sure you're talking to them and tracking and and doing all those good kind of housekeeping things around data and engagement yeah. that you need to do. And I, I am not a believer in one or the other being, you know, right. You have to do both. As Sherpa, we have to do both. Mm. When, we, when we talk to clients... It's a little bit different. The brand, the brand is done by the vendor, right? You mm. know, Microsoft's brand is then leveraged down through the channel. And they, they, they're going to have all the brand messaging around Azure or Office 365 or, or, any, or any of those solutions that do. And then you're asking your partners to do the bottom of funnel creation of leads and demand. And so they take that and as I said, they adapt it. And so there is this kind of symbiotic relationship in channel that you can you have to have the brand, but you have to have then the scale of the channel to, to create the demand. And, and, and so I think they're always going to coexist. I mean in, in B2C, yeah, brand build, demand creation, do whatever you think is best. But I mm. think certainly in technology and where there is a channel in play, mm. it's it's hugely important that you do both. 
Really interesting. What do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? Well, uh, I'm still swimming a bit. I play the occasional game of water polo, which uh, makes my knees creak, my back ache, my shoulders hurt, and uh, but it gets me out of the house. <laughs> By the way, I've, I've I've only played one game of water polo in my life. It was when I was 14 in Zimbabwe. I almost drowned. I've never played again. It is so hard. It's the de- it's the most deceptively hard game in the world. It looks relatively easy, yeah. but then you do it. And then it's like, oh my God, like you have to keep swimming for this period of time and you can't touch the ground and you have to, it's the most difficult game I've ever played. Yeah, it's a cruel mistress, as they say. It's not kind to people, let's say, who are over 40, Nathan, and maybe over maybe <laughs> over 50 as well. So, um, but only God, just, but um, it's, it's something I still love doing. I, I do that. I go mm. to the gym. The, men, the Being mentally fit is is directly, for me, influenced by the exercise. So, you know, if, if I'm mm. exercising regularly, I think the mental part takes care of itself. But, you know, reading, the, the amount of reading we are all expected to do as business owners and mm. employers of staff and marketing experts and all these things you do is just so big now. I, yeah. I kind of... I try and keep up, but, you know, uh, my fellow director suggested I do a speed reading course and I've had a go at it and I think I need new glasses, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just tough. But I think I think the two go hand in hand and it's, um, yeah, if, if, I, if I do one, the other will be okay. Audio books are the way. I think me, you're right, I actually. Think. Yeah, I've got an Audible subscription. There you go. I think, yeah, it's it's it definitely works for me. Just talk to me while I walk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Amazon Prime or Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu or BBC iPlayer. What are you watching or streaming? That's good. Well, we have them all, of course. I've got a 13 year, 11 year old who sign up for whatever is available. Right. I'm on Apple Plus at the moment because I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. And uh, but normally the go to for me, Netflix, you know, kind okay. of Ozark, those kind of American series that are done so well. There's a proliferation of amazing. Brilliant amazing content we we live in a in in a in a very gilded generation for tv content i think you can't you, you can find whatever you like and it's it's amazing stuff I think it's that's, definitely the golden age of tv yeah. again right now it's brilliant there's so much so many options yeah last couple of questions and then I'll, I'll let you go when i'm going through difficult patches in my life i remind myself of inspirational quotes and people that i admire to get me through like victor frankl's between stimulus and response there's choice from the magic of big thinking, you know, how big we think determines the size of our accomplishment or action cures fear. Do you have any of those things that you fall back on in, in tough times? Yeah, a couple actually. Um, one, one is the, the Branson quote that's, you know, in and around people is, is I come back to a lot, which is if you look after your staff, then they will look after the customers. And it's definitely that way around. And I've become a massive believer in that and seen the benefits of that approach. You know, whatever you think of Donald Trump as a politician, and I, 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 not much, but, you know, his thinking big kind of take on the world is something that I've been guilty of not doing. And so it often pops up into the back of my head. Are you thinking big enough here? Right. You know, what do you want this to be? What sort of people do we need? Are we going to pay some more money to do that? Are we going to, you know, go here, go there? What are we going to invest in? And I think sometimes I just get that 
gnawing little voice. Maybe it's not Donald Trump. Maybe somebody else said it, and I can I can di- disavow no, myself good, of connection. <laughs> of aligning to, to yourself Donald, with Donald yeah, Trump. I'm certainly not aligning myself to Donald Trump, Nathan. But um, it, it, that that but you know, there are a lot of lessons from Donald. Yeah. Trump. I think he's a fantastic marketer. I think he's an underrated marketer, underrated brand builder, definitely phenomenal brand that he's built for himself yeah um you know you and i are sort of making making the case for donald here we're we're (laughs) moving away from his politics and focusing on that let's get that on record so just on the thinking big thing so thinking big is is one of our values as well and we i'm constantly you know i have it in front of my mind yes thinking big is a value and it's something that we always want to kind of demonstrate throughout the business often though i find myself thinking, oh my God, like that was quite a small way. That, that was quite small thinking. How do you keep that at the forefront of your mind whenever you're going through life and the opportunities and, and, and the business you know, challenges that you're, you're going through? How do you keep that idea of thinking big at the forefront of your mind so you're always challenging your thinking? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been easier recently because um, as part of our planning process, the board challenged me to say, what's the vision for the business? And, you know, you go, oh, you want to be number one in blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, that's not kind of good enough, right? Mm. You, you gotta, you got to be able to come up with something that you can present back to us. We, we're on board with it. All your senior people do, all your staff, all your suppliers, everyone in the world should be able to say, right, Sherpa are going to do that. And that that process has been massively helpful at th- to get me to think about the end that's in mind for for this business, the people within it, and, and where we might want to go. And there's no there's nothing prescriptive about that. It's just you know if you if you go forward three five years and what that that vision for the business is, what does it want to look like? And you work back and you describe the business at that point. And so if you don't think big on the journey through that, then I don't think you're ever going to get possibly to, to what your envision for your company. And that's that, that, that going through that process, which we are at the moment has been really eye opening around sort of my ambition. And then, you know, the, the people who work for Sherpa's ambitions as well, because I could have a big mm. vision for the company and they've got their personal ambitions and, and we need to marry the two together. And that's, mm. that's a key skill. And, and that keeps you focused and grounded, but you should never lose sight of, right. You know, where do we want to be in three to five years time? What, what does it, what does it look like? Mm. And, and thinking about that regularly helps me. And with all of the vision and the, and the future focus of, of the business, do you ever take time to step back and, reflect on what you've done so far since 2012 and the business that you've built like how much of your thinking is about appreciating how far you've come and your success vis-a-vis sort of the growth and the vision over the next few years I'm going to be honest it's incredibly hard to do I think one of the you know as your agency grows you try to extract yourself from the day-to-day because you should be working on bigger kind of stuff about the future of the business and, and those things we've, we've talked about today. I find that quite hard to do, but I've, I've got a fantastic team that, that work with me and are far better at their functional jobs than I ever would be. So that makes it a bit easier. But actually, we, we try and um, we've always done a kind of good annual look back, look forward process with the entire Sherpa team. And we normally go away and do it. Obviously, I haven't been allowed to do that um, this year. But, you know, take a couple of days out of the business. I have to prepare for that. And that's a really good way of me saying, okay, what did we do this year? What's Mm. been good? What's been challenging? What hasn't worked so well? And you get lots in each bucket. And then just being honest with people and and asking them to 
input as well. And so we've we've got it's not it's not a hugely rigorous process. I you know, and I said it's 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 kind of once once a year, maybe at six months. But I do think it's massively important to step back and say, come on, this this is all right. You know, it's been mm. tough. Mm. Don't get me wrong, it's been tough for everybody um in the last couple of years we've had. But I think it's it's very, very valuable just to turn off the day to day and say, okay, what did we, what did we achieve this year? And, mm. and we're just about to do that. We're in our Q4 now. So we're chasing our number, of course, but I think mm. we will, we'll get a, a good vision of that probably in the next mm. couple of weeks. And then we'll be thinking about, right, let's go again. Love it. And my last question, Tom, what does you know about growing a channel agency today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career or in 2012, when you first started the business? I absolutely wish I had got people in quicker. Genuinely, I, I, I know agencies are people businesses, right? And I think that there's a lot said about that. But, you know, sitting next to somebody who had 165 employees and I'm worrying about one, <laughs> right? And just, you know, kind of fronting that, I'm saying, come on, let's go. And, 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 mm. and maybe being a little bit bolder around the people decisions. And then I think the second thing is, and, and, and this is probably as or if not more important, is that businesses that grow and scale and, and thrive, you're either going to have a cracking, cracking idea and it's going to be a rocket ship. Or I think the, the, the majority of businesses, certainly in ages now, you need to do like 150 things really well for it all to kind of glue together over time. Is that all? Yeah, maybe I've underplayed that a bit. But I think, you know, it, it from sales, from marketing, from customer service, from reporting, mm. from recruitment to retention. And you mm. just, you just, there's so much, there's a learn as you go mentality. No one starts it and is, is the, no one starts an agency and knows all that. You bring from what you've, I brought from client side and some mm. good mentors and things like that. And that's really around the standards you bring to it. But I think it's, you know, if you understand that it's never, never the finished article right and, and it never will be then you just gotta you gotta you gotta choose your time to jump off and and mm. realize some value and hopefully somebody can take it to the next stage mm. might happen might not we might we might just keep going for another another nine ten years but mm. we'll see where we get to absolutely love it tom thank you so much for doing this it's been my absolute pleasure nathan i have totally enjoyed our conversation we have been speaking with Tom Perry. He is currently the CEO and founder at Sherpa. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 140 such conversations we've had with world-class leaders in the agency world. Thank you for your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at nathanagentsofyourmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Anibaba. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Sarah Spence is our, our booker. Tyler Bella is our booker slash marketing executive. Christoph Buaszczek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. <laughs>